Well, good morning to everyone. Welcome to the Ag Market Network uh, monthly cotton teleconference for this April the 11th. I'm Pat McClatchy. We are brought to you by uh, FiberMax and Stoneville Seed. Uh, they have been a loyal sponsor of ours for all the time we've been doing our program, and we're very appreciative to them. Uh, leading us today will be Dr. John Robinson. He will be joining our cotton panel of Dr. O.A. Cleveland, Gerald Nieper, Kip Butts. Uh, John, these are certainly interesting times we've, we live in with regard to these markets. Uh, thanks for, for leading us today and giving us your perspective. Oh, well, thank you. Sorry about that. Sorry about that background noise there. The guy needs a new muffler. Um, so what I'm going to touch on in order is a little bit of discussion of last week's uh, China tariff thing, and then I'll summarize the WASDI, and then I'll wind up making a few marketing-related comments. So I'm sure everybody's aware, you know, last week we had a surprise a week ago Wednesday. Uh, we woke up to news that uh, cotton was on a list of 105 commodities that China was proposing to perhaps put tariffs on, and this was sort of an unfolding tit-for-tat, uh, you know, a Chinese announcement following a U.S. announcement of potential um, tariff or consideration of putting tariffs on Chinese products. Um, but it, it, we woke up to it as a shock, and the markets reacted to it like a shock last Wednesday with the stock market was down 500 points, and the cotton market's front contracts were down over two cents, and stock market recovered took cotton a day or so, but the cotton market finally recovered. And so what, what to say about this situation and that volatility? I guess the first thing I'd say is the initial market response that we saw was your typical reaction to uncertainty, waking up to something. Is it a, is it a major change in the fundamentals? You know, we don't know how to size it up, so the market reacts badly. Well, we got over that. Then the next thing I'd say is uh, I'm assuming that the, in getting over that and in not selling off the, the – uh, uh, hedge fund net long position, um, and in the stock market recovering, I, I would size it up by saying I, I think traders are looking at this the way a lot of people are, the way I, the way I hopefully see it. That is, it's it's not it's not something that's happened. These were announcements about about uh, possible trade sanctions, but it's a, there's a lot of time involved. You know, the U.S. wouldn't take action until at least 180 days or so, and so I think. People, traders are viewing it as um, as posturing for negotiation, and hopefully that's all it will be, and that it won't work out to actually have the tariffs. I think that explains why the markets have mostly recovered. And I guess the last thing I'd say regarding that business is, even if there was a 25% tariff levied by China on U.S. cotton, that doesn't necessarily imply a um, a long-term reduction in our exports because what I expect would happen in that kind of scenario is simply that uh, you know, there wouldn't be a reduction. There'd be a rerouting, a reshuffling. We would see what we saw after 2011-12 when China sabotaged their own uh, domestic industry, and the result was other countries outside China, Vietnam, Indonesia, India, Pakistan, got in the business of importing more cotton and spinning it into yarn and shipping that yarn to China duty-free. And that's that would be the expected uh, reshuffling that I would have if China had a bilateral tariff just against us. So, so anyhow, that's we'll, it's a wait-and-see kind of uh, situation, um, and I hope it works out to be simply um, a negotiation that never results in any tariff disruption at all. So 
moving on, we can come back to that issue, obviously, but uh, I'm going to move on and summarize the WASD, uh, which I would I would characterize this report as a somewhat uh, uneventful uh, uneventful uh, WASD in the world numbers. Um, we didn't see really two two major or shocking changes. I guess the most notable thing was that USDA did some revisionist history uh, in uh, tightening up uh, supplies in in Australia and in Brazil going back to 2010 and 11, which affected the carry-in for the current balance sheet for those two countries. Uh, and that that was on the level of... Uh, um, it affected carry-in like 900,000 bales, most of which was in Brazil, but 200,000 of it was in Australia and a teeny bit in uh, Central Asia. So we affected carry-in. On the world or the foreign production side, there was a almost a quarter of a million bale increase in Brazil. Um, well, actually, it was a 700,000 uh, bale increase in Brazil, excuse me, and then a 425,000 bale reduction in Sudan. This is the second month that they've been tinkering with the Sudan balance sheet. Uh, so we had a large uh, reduction there, which worked out to be almost a quarter of a million bale uh, increase in foreign production. That was the main change in that category. They raised world uh, imports and exports by 230, 240,000 bales. They cut world consumption month over month by 400,000 bales, and that was resulted from a decrease in India, decrease in Indonesia, decrease in Thailand, and an increase in, in Vietnam. So some tinkering there. We did not see a, a change in production uh, in India, and we did not see major changes in uh, in China. And so the bottom line of all that was uh, a 500, little over 500,000 bale decrease in world ending stocks month over month, which, you know, I would, that's moving in the right direction. But again, a lot of it's due to this revisionist history, and it's not a huge number in the great scheme of things. So I would call that, you know, neutral to, to positive kind of kind of tinkering. And on the world numbers, uh, with this April WASD, the, the, uh, there was one change, and it was an expected change, a 200,000 bale increase in uh, U.S. exports, which USDA and everybody else would attribute to you know, the pace of shipments and new sales that we've seen. So no other changes. That went straight to the bottom line, and we've got ending stocks dropping from 5.5 to 5.3 million bales, which is a move in the right direction. And I might add that OA is has suggested for the last two conferences that uh, eventually that number is going to get down below five, and I'm I'm beginning to believe him now because I I fully expect that we'll need to see a couple more bump ups in USDA's uh, export number for the U.S. if it if it's going to line up with uh, I mean if we're going to have export sales any more coming forward and uh, still line up with the uh, commitments that we've seen we we need to have a a raising of that uh, export number, we probably will, and we'll probably have ending stocks whittled down to five, or a little below five, which I would characterize that you know it's still more than a two million bale year-over-year increase, so it's an improvement of a bearish situation in terms just in terms of the numbers. It's an improvement in a otherwise bearish situation, uh, which may not affect you know it may not affect the July contract at all, but it's going to 
the more important aspect of it is it's going to lead to a carry-in of you know five million or four point nine million into the eighteen nineteen balance sheet, and that's that's where I think the risk is in terms of uh, having basically uh, more than enough supplies. You know, it's in Mother Nature's hands, but if we have a nineteen million bale crop and we're carrying in five, then then I think we're going to have a supply problem. So, you know, we'll have to see. It's a long time from now, but but we'll have to see. So so I think there is still downside risk for new crop because of this uh, the way the situation is unfolding. Um, I think there's downside risk, ten or twelve cents down to the mid mid sixties on the December contract. So that kind of leads to my final thoughts about. Um, and this is nothing new, but my final thoughts about uh, the marketing situation. You know, we ultimately don't know which way prices are going to go. They may go higher. There may be downside risk, as I'm suggesting. But what we do know today is that we're continuing a situation of having an opportunity to hedge or price at a reasonably good level. Um, so in terms of hedging um, with uh, futures, Pat, you can tell me, uh, we're December trading right now, seventy six something. I haven't checked. Oh no, no, no! December is trading at seventy eight twenty five. That's down five. Yeah, that that's. Uh, this morning we've been as high as seventy eight thirty eight, but we're at seventy eight twenty five right now. And if you go back, oh, about a month ago, I guess we got up. The high made was seventy eight ninety four. Right. So right. that's 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 where we are right now, though. So in that range from 75 up to 78, and I'm back to that. I'm glad that we're back up to that level. That suggests to me that they're from a sorry about that from a hedging standpoint, um, it's it's very possible just using put options to to uh, lock pay an upfront premium and lock in a minimum cash price, probably in the upper 60 cent range somewhere, depending on your harvest time basis. But uh, to lock in cash prices, minimum cash prices that would cover in West Texas, that would cover probably um, one's cost of production. So you're talking about a a survivable uh, cash price with the upside still open. I think that's available from what the market is offering today. And in terms of contracting, depending on where you are in the country, with uh, with December at 78, that implies uh, 80 cent contracts opportunities in the southeast where they're you know two over or whatever and i'm assuming that something similar is available in the delta region but oh way you tell you tell me and out in west texas with with december at 78 there would be opportunities to be trading at 75 uh, contracting at 75 and a half on bail contracts now that's that's international base grade 31 36 with a little bit steeper penalty for uh, being outside the range of acceptable mic, and there's production risk in delivering bales, particularly when it's as dry as it is. However, for people that are irrigated or some just some portion of their production or some portion of their insured production, uh, there's an opportunity there to lock in pretty good prices on a bale basis. And there are acre contracts, which today is at 78-something. We're talking you could probably uh, lock in a price at 74 or something uh, on a on a hybrid acre type contract, the kind that have existed out here for a few years now, where they'll take everything up to some fraction, like 75% of your APH, without the production risk. Otherwise, 
John, let so me the, mention this. I, I was just looking this up. An at-the-money put in December cotton is running about 400, 425 points. That's buying uh, a 78 put. Okay, of course, 78. It, of course, yeah, yeah, that's a 78 put in December, 425 points is what that's going okay. for. Okay, okay. So, again, I, you know, I think that sets up a that sets up an opportunity to – hedge a minimum cash price that's going to be in the upper 60s or, or 70 again depending on your harvest time basis so the opportunities are there and you know we can only really know for sure what the market's offering us today but today represents a continuation of opportunities that have been with us now for months and i would agree with the the other panelists who have been said it on this conference and uh, put it in writing about uh you know Taking, taking that opportunity for some uh, chunk of, of one's expected production, I, I, would be, I would be taking some action. So that's where I would leave it, Pat, and I'll hand it back to you. All right. Well, great. Well, let's just open it up for the panel to discuss uh, this. Uh, O.A., what are your thoughts? <laughs> well, I'm going to skip right on to the price standpoint. I had suggested, and I like what John's saying and talked about that, uh, Agree with him that uh, it, it's it's time to get at least 35 percent of our crop uh, price fixed on at least that much. Some people may want to go a little bit higher, and I wouldn't blame them for doing it. Uh, would encourage some to go a little bit higher. Yes, we've got this uh, scenario where uh, it stays dry in West Texas or on the Texas plains, not just West Texas, but the Texas plains, and. Uh, that will shoot the market somewhat higher, possibly into the 80s, the, the low 80s. Uh, but, uh, you know, good soaking rain, the Memorial Day rains or whatever, uh, even up to through the first week of June, it takes at least a nickel and maybe as much as a dime out of this market. I think John talked in terms of possibilities at 68 cents or so, and I would certainly agree with that. So that would be a full dime. Uh, there's, uh, I think we understand that there's the mid-level moisture is pretty good. The, the subsoil moisture is pretty good. They just got to get something to get the crop up uh, and get the root down. So uh, that's just where I'm, I'm, I'm sitting. Uh, we talked a little bit uh, uh, before we came on air about uh, when USDA might or might not. Uh, get a little more serious about its India numbers, but apparently FAS is just going to dig their heels in and not allow any changes there. But uh, in the meantime, we get solid evidence from the Indian Merchants Association and the India Cotton Association as to what their crop is. They made some changes here just uh, this week in it, and uh, USDA was failed to pick those up. But uh, I think there's just a little bit less cotton out there than, 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 than what's being advertised to us. So it's, it's uh, I don't want to use, well, I don't mind using the word. It's positive. So it's mildly bullish. But uh, we're sitting here at the top of this market. Uh, we're getting good competition now. We are with polyester. So we're just taking a little bit of market share. Uh, um, a marginal amount of market share back, but uh, still a, a long road to go to do that. But uh, tend to like uh, the bias upward in the market. Gerald? Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I, we forget in China that they have free trade zones, and there are textile mills and free trade zones. And, and if those free tr- and if the cotton lands in those free trade zones and they get spun there, they're not impacted by any potential tariffs anyway. 
Um, the uh, plus, you know, they didn't say anything about putting tariffs on cotton yarn. Um, so there's a, it seems like there's a lot of ways around this uh, this tariff scare. But uh, at least initially, uh, that put the scare of God into everybody. That's for darn sure. With this market uh, uh, seemingly uh, uh, becoming unhinged that day, it. Um, uh, you know, I guess for the mills, it was a godsend, gave them a chance to uh, to fix prices at a lower level. Um, regarding exports, I, I'm not, just not real sure what uh, um, what the hesitation is on lifting exports. Um, <clears throat> the uh, I, they're probably and, and it could be larger. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it won't get there, but I, I think we're looking at a 15.8 million bale export number here eventually, as it wears out, uh, as it bears out. It was interesting that last week's export sales report. You look at total commitments. We had finally overtaken the 2010 level of commitments for that particular week by uh, by just a, like 20,000 bales or something. Now, maybe what USDA is looking at is the fact that uh, in 2010, um, there were about 850,000 bales of cancellations between essentially, you know, last week or two weeks ago and, and the end of the, of the marketing year. So maybe they're thinking that there's going to be some cancellations come rolling down the, uh, down the pike. Maybe they think we won't be able to get this stuff shipped out. But, you know, we've averaged what? 450,000 bales over the last four or five weeks of, of export sales um, or shipments. Um, you know, last week's export sales number was just uh, really quite astounding. Um, and you keep thinking it's going to slow down because, I mean, at some point you're, you're going to run out of cotton um, or get close to it. Um, but I think that there's still plenty of cotton out there to, to be sold and, and, and discounted cotton, too. Now, whether it's all usable, particularly the uh, the low mic stuff out of uh, out of the high plains of Texas, uh, remains to be seen. Um, there are reports that some of this low mic stuff that has been sold to textile mills, I think these mills uh, uh, taking a chance on the low mic stuff, thinking that they could make it work. Um, it's it was finally arriving on shores and. Uh, you know, it's not doing the job that the mills thought it would do. So, you know, there's uh, you know there's some minor concerns there that you could see some some cancellations. Um, that cotton will sell. It's just a matter of you know how much do you have to discount it to in order to to move the darn stuff. Um, but um, you know, I really thought we had a shot at, at ninety cents, and, and maybe we will. Um, it's seeming, it seems like it's getting harder to, to make that case just because there's, we just keep bumping and bumping and bumping into a lot of resistance up here. Um, and the, uh, I, I, I just don't know that, that, you know, that we'll have the horsepower to, to really drive this thing higher. Um, I think, you know, we're, it, I, I think we've got some more upside, but, uh, probably, you know, just like before, you know, that 85 to 87 cent area in, in the current crop is going to be quite uh, uh, quite quite a wall to climb over. As far as new crop is concerned, um, you know, as long as it remains dry, um, 
the uh, you've got some more upside potential. Probably, you know, until we see the rains, like uh, like OA mentioned on Memorial Day, I think we've got uh, maybe an upside potential of around 81 cents. Uh, downside, I'm not as negative. Even if we get the rains, I think uh, I think 76 to 74 cents will. Uh, uh, particularly, particularly right around 74 cents will hold this thing. You got a 200 or 200 day moving average around 71.50, and that just keeps climbing and climbing. That's going to provide support underneath this market. So, uh, you know, I think for the for the foreseeable future, um, the uh, um, you know. 74 to, to 81 cents is probably a December uh, range. One thing that's uh, that might be <clears throat> somewhat of a negative is, uh, you know, there's there's some indications out there that maybe this uh, synchronous world growth, uh, economic uh, growth is is that there may be some cracks in it out there, and uh, it, it seems like the uh, uh, I, I, I just, <clears throat> I just don't know what, um, um, you know, from an economic standpoint, you know, things may get become on shaky ground. But uh, um, you know, the uh, it just seems to be unstoppable in terms of the the, the flow of, of of money into various in investments and so even if they get uh, somewhat uh, discouraged i guess with the uh, with the financial markets uh, the commodity markets are still going to be a, a decent place to uh, <clears throat> to put some funds um with the uh with the possible exception and i'm kind of rambling here a little bit but uh, there's been a very strong correlation lately between uh, you know uh, well maybe not so much lately but it certainly seems like it when the S&P and the Dow Jones is up, it seems like it's a great risk-on day for commodities. And when the Dow Jones and uh, is, is off, then uh, commodities kind of back off a little bit or, or certainly don't go anyplace. So, you know, that's, that's certainly one thing to keep an, an eye on. It's not only the, uh, the balance sheet out there and, and what's going on around the world, but uh, – uh, but what's going on with uh, <clears throat> with the New York financial markets, uh, Pat? That would I don't have anything else without sounding like a broken record. Okay. <laughs> did Kip did Kip ever join us? Uh, Pat, okay. away again. Jump to comment that uh, Gerald made and reinforce what John said. Also, uh, you know, we we look at these exports and we still we're running eight hundred thousand to nearly a million bales every week that are waiting to be picked up for export, that have been cleared for export and just waiting on transportation to the port. So, you know, there's not any, there's not at least, there's, there's no cracks in that armor as far as cotton that's uh, being prepped for export. So it just tends to reinforce our thoughts that uh, this, this, this heavy, uh, outbound shipment uh, will be maintained, and in my opinion, it's probably going to be maintained for several more months, not just weeks. And and that will get our exports up to where the level Gerald is talking about, other people are talking about, pushing 16 million bales. 
let, let me mention something, and everybody just join in here, and this will sound like a statement. It's, it's not meant to be. Uh, as we look at old crop, uh, the, we've just gone through a period where if we were going to get shook, this would have been the period to do it as far as the downside goes for old crop cotton. But we've still got good demand. We're talking about it this morning. We've still got mill fixations. They didn't get rid of all that. Uh, and we still have speculators starting to come back in the market. Uh, is there no feeling that maybe this old crop can can maybe, as OA says, promise less but deliver more? What, what are y'all's thoughts on that? Well, if the last week didn't shake out the, the hedge fund longs more than, of course, I guess the last picture I have is April the 3rd, and and the uh, China announcement was the next day, but but you know the market recovered. So I we'll see what Friday's uh, spec hedge or or uh, commitment of trader says. But I mean they're still hanging in there. If, if this didn't shake them out, then I don't, I'm not sure what will. No way. Well, no, I, I agree. I it's it's uh, you know what I think we've got uh, John the dates you mentioned April third or something like. 70,000 uh, longs in there. Uh, 76,238 okay. yeah. of the uh, non-commercial uh, guys. Right. Okay. A pretty good number. And uh, from the, the market's price act- action, it, I, I wouldn't have think that uh, a lot of them fell out of there. So I think it's still very, fairly strong. We we had gotten big liquidation going back about a month and a half ago. It was that's in OA you and I talked about this very big open interest. And so we went through a period of liquidation with the speculators and in the last week week and a half or so we've seen that open interest start to climb again. So there there still could be ammunition there. Anyway, I apologize for interjecting all that. I just wanted no, no, to bring it up. That's, that's good. You're right. We we have seen the open interest jump up pretty good. I, uh, I, I, Gerald's got a good handle on that, I think, uh, and uh, it's it's been impressive to see it come back like it has. Gerald, any thoughts on on that? No, <laughs> I mean not uh, <laughs> not not that nothing beyond what uh, what you guys have talked about. Um, it's it's quite astounding when you sit there and you think about. Uh, um, <clears throat> the the volume um, <clears throat> that uh, you know out of like the top thirty volume days that that ICE has ever had, you know I think a, a dozen or so of them have been just in in two thousand and eighteen alone, and it's only April. So uh, um, the uh, I I don't know if it's the electronics, it's it's just the trading or, you know, whatever, but uh, cotton is certainly, uh, you know, it's paying the rent there, helping to pay the rent there on the ICE platform. That's for darn sure. Any other comments about anything? Well, excuse me, Pat, again, I beat a, beat a dead horse to death here. We just, you and I have talked about it. I, well, I guess all of us have at one point or another, uh, we do anticipate. Uh, seeming seems like we're, we're we're in error, but we continue to anticipate that USDA through through FAS will make some 
realistic changes with respect to its uh, Indian numbers. Uh, we see the, the Indian government numbers. We see the Indian Trade Association numbers, the Indian merchants numbers. And uh, we talk to other uh, folks around the globe, and it seems like the USDA is the only one. It's outside of uh, any, anyone's estimate. And we just keep anticipating month after month after month that USDA will get serious about its Indian numbers. But uh, so far, they've just they've chosen to leave that as a catch-all uh, and make adjustments uh, on, on that basis. But uh, you know, we could get a surprise any any month out of that that could uh, rattle the market bones all the way to the core. Uh, but uh, it doesn't seem like that they're willing to uh, to step out on that limb at all. But it's it's there. It's there. Historically, it's been done a few times. I know they made some significant Chinese numbers in China, changes in Chinese numbers a decade or so, or two decades ago. Uh, it got the world shocked the cotton market a great deal. But uh, uh, we we just have to wait and see. We've not talked about the U.S. crop. We tend to think it's a little bit smaller. Than, uh, than USDA is showing, but I think USDA indicated they were not going to make any changes in that number until, until June. If they have the data, I don't know why they won't go ahead and release it. Uh, and uh, also, as we look at consumption numbers, we're seeing a domestic consumption, a bit of an improvement there, uh, and there's some uh, more than just some speculation. There's a lot of a lot of indications that they're going to have to raise the domestic consumption, but that wouldn't be with 100,000 bales. It's not a not not a big number at all. But it does continue when taken with export changes. It does uh, bring those uh, ending stocks down uh, and get it in, get get it into the four million uh, four plus million bale range as opposed to the five plus million bale range. Oa, Oa, you brought up a good point. You know, it, May is uh, right around the corner, and and that's when USDA will release their initial estimates for, uh, and, and country by country estimates for 2018, and uh, so that'll be kind of interesting. Uh, plus, uh, normally they're releasing their final uh, production number for 2017 in May. Um, <clears throat> You know, as I mentioned, they won't have final production number in, in May. Um, in fact, uh, I, likely people will still be ginning, I think, uh, possibly in June. Um, it, uh, it, it's quite astounding, really. Um, so we've, we've, we may not ever get a final production number for, yeah. 2000, for 2018 yeah. or 2017. They, they, sorry. They got set yeah. back. One, one of one of the Oklahoma gins burned, so they've got that much less capacity than they had before. Oh, when did that happen? It was last week. Yeah, Gosh, I think they I lost seventeen thousand bales, from what I saw. Yeah, well, that was a, that was a warehouse. That was a warehouse, I, I, but I think I thought a gin got caught up. Oh, you thought that's what they were saying burned. at the Lubbock okay. Gin Show. Ah, okay, I missed that too, Gerald. Huh? Well. Any, any 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 final thoughts here? Well, let's uh, let's wrap this up by saying thank you to John uh, for leading us today, and thanks for our panel. Uh, also, want to recognize again and thank FiberMax and Stoneville Seed for bringing this program to you. So that concludes this edition of the Ag Market Network. 
Uh, thanks for being with us.